Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And good morning, Marshfield and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Okay, so we have a plan today. We always have a plan. And uh, the most important part of the plan is that my... uh, co-host and sidekick and executive vice president of investments at McNamara Financial, that would be my son Justin, is hopefully plugged in uh, in his office in Chelmsford, correct Justin? That's right, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine, the wonders of modern technology. You didn't even have to drive to Marshfield to go to this radio show today, huh? No, I didn't. Alrighty, so, all right, so uh, Justin and I are going to be batting around uh, a topic uh, this morning, and, well, we always have a plan, and it's always kind of tough to name the topic, because we jump around a lot, but... From my point of view, uh, you know, this is going to be like an investing-related show. That's number one. And uh, I, I think the, the really big picture is that when people start putting money to work as investing, okay, there's like a, a chronology uh, of how that uh, should all happen, at least for most of us, okay? And I'm just going to take a, a minute to kind of 
go through the chronology in in like a you know very short reader's digest kind of a form and then we're going to kind of back up and take each piece of that and, and uh, have at it in terms of what we think are, are, are the important things and so uh, v- virtually anybody out there listening to us who has investments someplace we're going to fit you in here in terms of what this chronology is and what some of the vehicles or accounts that you have and maybe some of the questions that you have we might be able to help you with today uh, so anyway Anyway, so the, so here's here's my uh, chronology of putting money to work. Or cr- Wait, well, go ahead. Before you get started, uh, you're already interrupting me for crying out loud. I haven't even got started. Well, go ahead. Well, Wait. I just thought I'm not <laughs> I'm not down there, so I thought uh, is Tim looking more relaxed today now that there's no Fort Myers internet to worry oh, about? Oh, oh, I don't know. That, he looks fairly mellow. You okay. are back in studio now. I am back in studio, and <laughs> I'm always calm and relaxed. Uh, what are you right, talking we, about? We just, <laughs> <laughs> he he looks and I like his his uh, growth there. He, you, you look older that way, Tim. I gotta tell you. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I still got uh, tagged for twenty six at Fenway Wednesday night. So nope, no, no yeah. kidding. Wow. Yeah, I'll take it. When yeah. uh, when I was just getting into this business, I grew a beard to look older and wiser. And then when I get into my fifties, I get rid of it so I could look younger <laughs> and wiser. Yeah. And now I don't care. Okay. There so, you go. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so right. we're glad you're well, mellow. You. We we won't be demanding today. We promise. Oh, all right? you can demand all you want. It's all your right. show. All right. So folks, <laughs> so here's like here's like the big picture here. The big picture is uh, there's a batting order of uh, strategies where you start putting money to work, and the batting order is. Before you invest any money, you need some emergency reserves in a bank account for rainy days and emergencies, because if you don't have one of those, you'll use your investments for emergencies, and that ain't a good plan for a whole bunch of reasons. So, so really, the, the base thing that you need to do is have a rainy day fund, and, and, not a, a, and a lot of Americans don't, unfortunately, but you need to have a rainy day fund in the bank, not Invested anything that's in the bank is bank money, from my definition. Okay, uh, and that money is just there; it doesn't earn any money. It, it, okay, it's you, 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 if you could be disciplined, it's just as well off under a mattress, but it's a lot easier to get. Uh, and the point is that if you do have an emergency, you don't want to go rob your 401k plan because it'll cost you taxes. And by the way, probably be the wrong time to do that. So, so you you need to establish a base upon which to invest, and that. Would be emergency reserves. Any comments, my son, before I move along there? No. And we are circling back to all these in, in details, that in correct? In great detail. This is just Absolutely. The we have two hours to fill here. we got to get into super detail here. <laughs> just, just kidding. We don't usually do that around here, folks, as you probably know if you've listened to this show before. Uh, anyway, so, so the first place, uh, and again, one size doesn't fit all, but what we're going through here fits most, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, everybody uh, should be funding a retirement plan, hopefully at work, and if you're self-employed, hopefully on your own. So, so the second step, okay, the second place you put money to work, okay, is in your retirement plan at work, because it's the best deal, okay, for being able to do that, uh, at, mainly because you get to put 100-cent dollars in there. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Okay, uh, and then how much you put in there and all that good stuff, we're going to cycle back to, but retirement plan money, okay, is uh, your next money goal, okay? For many of us, after you got the retirement money set up, and, and we'll get into great detail about how much that should be and other stuff, but when you get the retirement plan set up, uh, many people, their next goal in life is to start saving for college educations for their kids. 
Uh, and, and so, so step one, emergency reserves. Step two, retirement plan funding. And then step three, uh, if college costs are in your future, you've got to come up with some kind of money to start saving for that. Uh, and, and again, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, uh, if you don't have children and or if you uh, have college costs covered, by the way, congratulations if that's the case, and if you still have some money that you can save, well, then step number four, okay, would be what we would call a taxable investment account. It's money that's in your own name or with your, your spouse, okay, and there's real live investments in there, and that taxable uh, investment account probably would be a second place where most people would put retirement funds, but they might also put money that they're saving for vacation home or something along there. So, so step four would be, geez, I got my retirement plan kind of covered. I think I'm doing okay for college. I still got a few bucks left over. What do I do with it? Uh, and it is, well, let's, let's invest it. And let's, you know, say uh, this is just extra money because I'm already filled up, filled up my retirement plan. There's something along those lines. So that would be step four, okay, again, for most people. And then step five would be uh, uh, variable annuities. Uh, um, the, the, the short story is there are many pluses and minuses to annuities, but uh, the biggest plus is that they're tax-deferred. And if you happen to be in a high tax bracket and you've got those other four steps covered and you've still got some money left over you want to put to work and you, know, you, you can afford to do it long-term, then that would be you know step number five on the list. And what we're going to do is spend uh, as long as it takes kind of going through those five steps, not all of which people listening to you may, may follow, but th- those, are, I think, are the steps that you could follow. And again, uh, so I'll, I'll go down the list, and then we'll hop back to emergency reserves and kick this off, okay? So step number one is you have to have emergency reserves so you don't tap your investment money at the wrong time. Uh, step number two is to be adequately funding a retirement plan at work. Step number three is to be saving money for college if that's in your future. And you'll notice I put that after funding a retirement plan. Step number four is if you got the first three steps kind of squared away and you still have some money or some savings you can invest or some cash flow, then you might want to open up a taxable investment account. For most people, it would be uh, more money for retirement. For some, it might be for a specific goal somewhere down the line. Okay, and then if you got all that covered and you're lucky enough to still have some either assets and or some cash flow that you can invest, then you ought to take a look at annuities because they definitely have some advantages, but they are step number five in my set of recommendations, and we can have that discussion anywhere along the line. All right, so, okay, here's the deal, folks. We're going to hop back and and start this in detail. Uh, And if you have some questions on the subject, this is a call-in talk radio show. Uh, Justin and I can easily keep busy for the next two hours, hopefully saying intelligent things that will make some sense and help you folks out. But we'd really love to talk to some people because if you've got some questions about what we're talking about, 
there's probably one or two other folks out there listening with the same kinds of questions. And so it's much more fun. The time goes much more quickly. And uh, I think it's probably much more meaningful if we can actually have people ask some questions about some of the stuff we're talking about and put like a a real-life situation or circumstance or person attached to it. I think it's much more meaningful than academic discussions among financial advisors. You know, real people, real stories, real-life kind of stuff. So anyway... I'm going to take a breath. Just any any comments uh, at all about anything before we kick off here? No. I think you did a, a fine job well, as usual. Well, I, I don't often get pl- co- you know good comments from you on that, so thank you, my son. Okay. <laughs> Father's <laughs> Day is coming I, up. I haven't been back long enough, Tim. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, we, uh, it, we, well, Father's Day is coming up, too. Just and I have yeah. some good uh, educational discussions and jousting from time to time. It keeps us going, you know? Anyway. All right, so... The first step is really easy, but it it bears mentioning and it bears emphasizing, folks, okay? Um, An emergency reserves account, very quickly, is some money in the bank and a savings account, a money market account, or maybe a CD, okay? It is for emergencies of your life. It is uh, what used to be called a rainy day fund, and I still like that. It's an old-fashioned term, but I think it works pretty well. And, and the guidelines are three to six months worth of what your living expenses are. Yeah, if it costs you $4,000 a month to live your life after taxes, I'm thinking you ought to have somewhere between twelve dollars and uh, $25,000 worth of cash. And that's another word we'll use for bank money. It's or not investment money sitting in the bank, okay? Uh, and, and you look at it forever. It never earns any money, but... It allows all of your investments to do their thing because you don't have to go to investments in bad times, okay? And so that's the purpose of an emergency reserves account, okay? If you don't have one, I, I guarantee uh, that there'll be some point in your life when you have an emergency and either you go put it on a charge card for 17% if you haven't already maxed your charge cards, or you'll take, uh, you know, if it's a $10,000 emergency, you're going to have to take $15,000 out of your retirement plan to pay taxes to get to the 10. And by the way, you'll pay taxes in lots of times when you have an emergency and if you have to tap your investments, Murphy's Law will apply. What does that mean? They'll be down. Okay, less than they were last year when you need the money. So the the emergency reserves account buys peace of mind, and it allows your investments to do their thing. Okay, uh, the people we meet that are prospective clients, they come into two categories as far as I'm concerned. Either they've had an emergency in their life and they're shaking their heads in agreement when we tell them they need an emergency reserves, or they haven't had any emergencies in their life, and they're looking at us like we have three eyes, saying, "Well, I don't, I don't need something like this." And th- those folks have been lucky, but that doesn't mean that's going to continue to be the case, sort of a thing. So, anyway, so uh, Justin, a- a comments or enhancements? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think from it, and so obviously this is an emergency fund, and it's not something that you, you know, the goal of it is not to make. Uh, as much money as we can, right? We're going to get to yeah. the investment money in a minute. Yeah, and a vacation's not an emergency, folks. <laughs> uh, however, I, you know there there are there are some things that you can do to sort of make uh, to to make the emergency fund, I guess, more palatable and or work better for you. You know, there, we run. There are people who there's sort of two complaints about the emergency fund, right? We're we're obviously having 
conversations on a regular basis about people having an emergency fund. And in those conversations, there are two things that usually come up that are, you know, I guess we'll call them issues with the emergency fund. You know, the first one is how much they make, right? The first one is, oh, you know, I, I have my money in the bank here, but it's not earning anything, right? And so, you know, can we do something else with it? And I guess my first comment is that's not the point, right? The point is not that it makes a lot of money. The point is that it's there when you need it. But you certainly can do things to maximize the little that you will earn in an emergency fund, right? I mean, you, you can shop around for CDs. You can, you, know, you can sort of bank shop for rates. You can go online and do online savings. And however much time you want to spend on that is, is really up to you. I mean, depending on the size of your emergency fund, depending on what, you know, sort of what your income is, right? I mean, if you're, if you're in the lower income, if three to six months worth of your living expenses is $10,000, I don't know how much time it's going to be worth for you to go ahead and look for rates, you know, and, and go, whoa, I'm going to switch from this bank to that bank, or I'm going to switch from this bank to this online savings. Because we're not—we're only talking about a couple of percent on ten thousand yeah. dollars, which is not a huge number. Interest rates are so low; it's almost not worth a lot of people's time to do that effort, right? Basically, right? Yeah. But then again, there's there are folks who have a hundred thousand dollars in their emergency fund, whether that's because they have expensive lifestyles or because that just is what makes them feel comfortable. And so those folks, you know, it, it may be worth more of their time to shop around because all of a sudden, a couple of percent on a hundred thousand dollars is 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 not an insignificant amount of money. So okay. there, you know, we do hear that that you know you don't earn anything in an emergency fund, and again, there are ways to deal with that. But you know, our suggestion is to just maximize what you can in a guaranteed investment, and don't move that money, say, into the market just because that's not you know that's not the point. And Murphy's law will apply if you need money. The market. Yeah, yeah. Those people. You know, they, they say, well, I can get my hands on it very quickly. I can, you know, sell it and get it in a day or two. And, and my comment is, and, you know, liquidity, you know, getting to be able to get it, it, it involves two things. It involves, first of all, how quickly can you get it? Oh, you can right. get your investments in two or three days if you sell them. But the second part is, I want my, my liquid money to be worth at least the same as I started with. Uh, and the problem with an investment account is, yeah, you can get your hands on it, but, but it might be 10% smaller than it was a year ago sort of a thing. So, so that, right. that bank money uh, fits the definition, our definition of liquidity. And unfortunately, you don't get paid much for that, but that, that buys you the peace of mind. What, what else on that, Josh? You going to say a second thing? or Yeah, the other issue is... I would say we'll call it accessibility, and uh, this is really personality driven by the client. There are some clients who we have that if money is accessible to them, then they tend to spend it a lot more easily. Uh, and you know, maybe they, for whatever reason, they lack the discipline to just keep that money in the savings account and not take it out. Um, That's like our patriotic duty, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so there are also ways to work with that, right? I mean, you, know, you can work with your liquidity a little bit by, say, doing a CD, right? If you buy a CD, even if it's a month CD, you still have access to the money. You may have to break the CD early. You may miss, you know, you may miss out on a few bucks in interest. But uh, if, it, if it gives you a better shot of holding on to that money 
for an emergency, a real emergency, then I think that's that's certainly worth it. Uh, you can also have your savings at a separate financial institution, right? You have your checking account at, you know, oh, I don't know, name your bank, Hingham Institute for Savings. Yep. And you have your savings at uh, Rockland Trust. So... If it's harder to get at, yeah, so you have to get down there and get it with a passbook, right? There. That's you right. Think and about of course, it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know technology is making everything easier now, and you probably could set it up to have it to get immediate access to it. But um, anything that you can do on that score to make it inaccessible, if you are the type of personality who will just sort of say, "Oh, look at that! I have, uh, you know, I have ten thousand dollars in the bank, and I'm just going to grab that, and no big deal because I have the money." Okay. Uh, um, by the way, I just thought of like a, a an asterisk or an addendum to this discussion. Uh, you know, besides having emergency reserves, I think I might throw in a home equity line of credit uh, available to folks just as a backup to emergency reserves. And again, another reason that you don't have to go tap your investments. But I got to think about that some more. You okay with that? Or what do you think about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have okay. clients who will run lower on their emergency reserves because they do have that home equity line of credit. And it's not... You know, it's it's not quite the same because you do you are still paying interest in, on that emergency. Although at current interest rates, it's a very reasonable amount, right? Yeah. It's you know paying three or four percent to get your hands on money for a new uh, a new furnace is not the end of the world, uh, and it's certainly a lot better than uh, than paying fifteen percent on a credit card. Yeah, a, a relatively standard recommendation for most of the folks we work with would be to obtain, but don't necessarily use a home equity line of credit on your home. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know. generally speaking, you know, if you've got $200,000 of equity in your home, you can get a line of credit for maybe hundred or $120,000. Well, what's that mean? It means nothing if you don't use it, folks, okay? So if you had a home equity line of credit as a backup to your emergency reserves, and if you had no borrowed money on that line of credit, you're in great shape for emergencies. That's how we would describe it. So any, anything else on that, Josh? Are we ready to move on here? No, I think that covers it. All right. So those are the basics. Get yourself an emergency reserves account. It buys your investments time to do their work. That's the way you think about it. Uh, and get yourself a, a, an equity line of credit for as much as they'll give you. Because remember, you ain't spending it unless you write a check sort of a thing. So if you have that in place, it's a great backup uh, should your emergency reserves run low or should you have an emergency for in excess of your emergency reserves total sort of a thing. Okay. All right. Let's get to the fun stuff here, folks. Uh, the fun stuff is that the first people, the first place that people should put their investment money uh, is a retirement plan at work. Okay. Pl plain and simple, folks. And most employers have plans available. Uh, and if, you ha if your employer does not, well, give them a hard time about trying to get something going. And, uh, but there are available retirement plans to individuals who are not uh, offered one at work, and there are retirement plans for self-employed people. We're going to probably use the word 401k a bunch in this discussion, but the bottom line is it's any kind of a tax-deferred and mostly tax deductible, okay, kind of a retirement plan. And we'll use the 401k because that's like probably the most common plan that most folks have, folks. All right, so, so just kind of setting up the definitions about how that works, okay? Um, the, the, the reason 
the, the, the powerful advantage to putting money into a retirement plan at work is that uh, uh, you invest hundred cent dollars, okay? And I need to explain that. Uh, if you uh, earn a dollar of your pay, if your paycheck total gross came to a dollar, you'd probably end up with about 70 cents of money after they took away your federal and Massachusetts taxes, okay? Uh, and then if you went and invested that, well, you're investing 70 cents from your dollar. The beautiful thing, okay, about a, a retirement plan that's tax deductible is that that dollar you put in there, you ain't yet paid taxes on it, okay? Uh, and that's a pretty powerful uh, thing to be able to say. Investing in a hundred cent dollar is probably a better thing to do for most people than investing in a 70 cent dollar, with a 70 cent dollar. Uh, by the way, we have a caller. I believe it's the Tom from Kingston. Good morning, Tom. How can we help you this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back home, Mike. Hey, thank you, Tom. Good to be here. Good, good. Uh, question. I have a granddaughter. Uh, she's 22 years old, and she does not have a retirement plan yet. She can't afford one right now because of uh, car loan, car insurance, uh, school loan, rent, all those little things that come into play yeah. when you're young. Yeah, unfortunately, and, she's got a lot of company these days, but yet we got that so far. Okay. Yes. So... Uh, my wife and I are interested in establishing a uh, retirement plan for her. So, like a uh, IRA. And if she makes so much money, the question would be, how much money can she put into a retirement account? Like, is there a cap on it? Justin, you're the detail man. Go for it. Uh, yes, Tom. So she can put, if she doesn't have access to a retirement plan through work or she can't... Uh, she does not. Yeah, withhold her she, own. She, there is a plan, or there or there is no plan, Tom. There is no plan. There is no plan. Got it. Okay. Okay. So she can do an IRA, an individual retirement account, and she can do a traditional or a Roth, and you can certainly uh, help her make those contributions. The limit for her age for 2019 is six thousand dollars per year. And so what you would want to do is, I mean, you, you would sit down with her and figure out what the best, you know, what, what the best bet for her is uh, between a traditional, which is a tax deductible contribution, uh, or a Roth, which is uh, not tax deductible, but tax free later in retirement. Um, so, Justin, would you agree with me? Yeah. Roth would be the way to go at her age? Probably. I mean, it's really income driven. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know. I mean, most early career professionals and you know people working are, are lower income so the answer uh, just, is probably if they don't right. have a lot of tax whacked out yep yep well but, the only reason why is because we're putting the money in yeah but by the way how, how so she has to have the account in her name right correct yeah okay and are you going to do that f uh, monthly or, or all at once or how's it going to work oh lump sum would be nice uh, I, actually I would tell you a monthly whack out of your checkbook would be better no it's going to no that's probably well, harder for a okay uh, I don't know that for a grandparent, it's probably harder. It's probably easier to do a lump sum. Okay. If she, you could also just fund it up front and then you know work the money in slowly, it's basically. Yeah. Okay. Invest okay. it monthly. Yeah. yeah. So my question is, the next question would be, if we establish a retirement account for her in her name, so knows we give her the money, she gets to put it into, we'll say, a Fidelity Fund or one of those places. Yep. Establish an account. It would be a what we think would be the right way is a Roth for her, so mm -hmm. that when she becomes of my age, she'll be able to take it out tax free. 
Yeah, when, when she gets a, a little further along, her income is going to go up and maybe she should flip over to a tax-deductible plan. But if you're young and not in a high tax bracket, okay, a Roth is a pretty powerful thing later on in life, but I'm not sure if you want to do it all your life. It may change when her income does. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yep. It'll give her a little flexibility as far as accessing the cash in case she needs it early for whatever reason, you know, a home down payment, stuff like that. The Roth, right. I mean, not that she, not that that's the plan, but the Roth does have some flexibility that the traditional yeah. IRA does. Yeah, and, and Tom, I, I'm, if you caught us earlier, does she have some emergency reserves in place so she doesn't ever have to access that? Because you won't be seeing what's happening. It'll be in her name and stuff. Well, one of the things you forgot to put into your uh, conversation Ruh-oh. was... Ruh-oh. The emergency plan yeah. is usually grandpa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> B- bank of grandpa? <laughs> Tom, I was so, being I was being academic here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, at that age, that's where it is, and it's going to change as time goes on. Yeah. But well, now, well by the way, I'd, I'd fund an emergency reserves account for her first. That's where I'm going with that. Sure, definitely. Okay. So if we're going to do a Roth, and she establishes the account and everything else. Where would she start? Where it's only a small amount to begin with. It's not like she has a hundred thousand and she can diversify into different locations. Would she put it like into an S and P five hundred account or? Uh, when I say account, I'm sorry. What's the term? It's a mutual fund. Investment. Yeah, a fund. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots. There are called lifestyle or life cycle funds now where you can just do one investment and it will get you diversified. You know, an S&P 500 index is, would be fine. I'm sure be a, it would be a good investment, but you can also get a, you know, sort of a fund of funds that have access to the S&P 500, you know, U.S. large cap stocks, but we'll also have some small caps and international and you can customize that based on how aggressive or conservative she'd like to be. I mean, ideally, she'd be more on the aggressive side just based on her age and right. time, uh, time horizon. Uh, but that would be my recommendation to her because she'll say, I really don't know. Yeah. And I'll yeah. say, based on your age and, you know, all the different criteria, be more on the aggressive side where you got time on your side. Right. Yeah, the, the Tom. We're going to get into some of these vehicle discussions a little later on, but okay, the, the but the short story is that that either an asset allocation fund, which means a bunch of different investments, you know, in international. Uh, by the way, all stocks that would be the start, the starting point. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. A- and either it's an asset allocation fund, which comes with a diversified portfolio of stocks, and you don't need a lot of money to do something like that. Okay. Or as Justin mentioned an age-based, uh, retirement-based fund where, you know, it, so how old is she? She's like 20, right? Yeah, 24. Okay. Yeah, so she'd invest in the 2090 fund, okay, because that's about the time that she'd retire. And I can assure you that the 2090 fund, if there is one, is all stocks. And what happens is those folks who manage that, as, sh- as, as people get closer to that 2090, they change the mixture inside themselves, but there, there are some. Mean twenty sixty, twenty, well, whatever. Okay, <laughs> twenty ninety. <laughs> but but the but the bottom line is, she can take advantage of some very diversified investments that are in a couple of different approaches with some very short money in in a number of places. Right, Jess? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, you can go, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, T Rowe Price. Those are the big sort of no loads. They all have options like that. You know, you can do them age based. They probably also have, you know, I just want to be aggressive and I don't want to necessarily have that um, that portfolio adjust. Not that it would adjust much for her in the next 10 years anyway. I mean, anything that she's going to do at her age will be aggressive for a while. 
Is there really a 2060 fund? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think okay. they I think. I yeah, think by the way, Justin. Now. Justin, are they available uh, outside of official retirement plans, like to folks with regular IRAs, traditional IRAs? Of course. IRAs? Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I didn't know that. Okay, good. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so good. And the no load, you think I'm better off going to uh, T. Rowe Price rather than uh, Fidelity? Uh, it, it probably over the long run doesn't make much of a difference, but look around. I mean, yeah, a little later on, she could probably use some help with an advisor. And unfortunately, if there was a plan at work, she could get a little help, but there's not. Uh, so, yeah, a good no-load, broadly diversified stock mutual fund uh, that she probably owns for 20 years before she changes it. Uh, the, uh, there are m many good ones. And, you know, pardon me for being casual, but at 20 years from now, they're all going to be about in the same return, plus or minus. I mean, some may okay. be ahead short-term or long-term, sure. but whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, Fidelity and Vanguard are good places to start, but there's a lot of other ones, given and the I, circumstances. Maybe I'm um, naive in this area. A financial advisor would not usually take on someone like her because she doesn't usually have $100,000 to put in. Justin, did you want to? The answer is sure. Justin, you, you want yeah, to answer I mean, that? For the most part, <laughs> you know, most of us avoid managing accounts that are that small, that are startup accounts. But I mean, you, you will certainly find advisors who will, who, who probably would sit down with her. You know, if you wanted to send her in and have a conversation with us, we would, we'd be more than happy to, you know, spend a half hour with her and, and map out what she should be doing and probably not end up managing the money just based on the size. But she might come back someday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So at this size, she's on her own, and then once she gets a sizable amount, yeah. at that point, have somebody else manage the account. Yeah, and and that's, that's generally speaking. Yeah, generally. And, and by the way, we do that for children of our clients because we, you know, we want to go from generation to generation. So, right. so right. you know, so you know, from a financial advisor point of view, uh, you know, we'll do that kind of stuff for clients of our children or friends to help out. And the hope is they come back later when they need some more help and have some good more point. money, sort of a thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but that's a good comment. A any other th questions? Good. Tom? That's it. Thank you guys. All right, you guys have a good weekend. Yeah. By the Seems way, like to Tom, tell her to buckle up, and if she's not going to look at it, doesn't matter anyway. But buckle up and have a diversified global stock portfolio and just keep doing it okay awesome already thank you guys be well Bye -bye. tom take care take care tom justin we're like six seven minutes past break time here already or something like that let's do it tim